We'll let you know next week, the 5th of July, we will not have our men's lunch. We rarely miss a men's lunch, but next week we will not have our men's lunch. Be sure and, and take note of that. want to always remind you, encourage you to, to not only come, not only plan on coming, uh, but invite somebody to join you. We'd like to see our men's lunch continue to grow, uh, to continue to add tables. And so just you think about the best way that, for that to happen is for you to be thinking about who you can invite, who you can ask to join you for our Thursday men's lunch. Again, we, we talk about it, and it's really the, the focus that we just keep going over and over. What we're missing today in, in probably a couple generations are men who will say this is what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. We've let that slip away. Uh, that's been diluted in our day. And so we need men who say, this is what the Bible says it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's the purpose of our men's lunch. So I want to encourage you, be inviting people, not only planning to come, but bring somebody with you as well. Today, as we, as we move in our Bible study today, uh, here's the question for today. The question is this, as Christians... Is what we have enough? Now, I want you to think about that pretty big question. As Christians, is what we have enough? Is what we have enough or do we need something else? Do we need more of what we already have? Are we missing something as followers of Jesus Christ? And let me just tell you, today it seems that we are led to believe that somehow there is something more. Or maybe somehow there's something greater. And you know what? I, I'm happy with where I'm at, but there's something greater somewhere out there. And if we could just acquire that thing, our lives as Christians would somehow get better. So the question for us to settle today is this. Is what we have right now as believers of G, in Jesus Christ, is it sufficient for our Christian walk? Now, the question covers a lot of territory. The question looks like this. So what does that mean? Is Christ enough? Is Christ enough? Was the cross enough? The cross where the Lamb of God was slain, where he took away our sin, was the cross enough or do we need something in addition to the cross? Is a risen Savior, back from the dead, risen, is a risen Savior enough or is there something we can somehow add to a risen Savior? Is the promise of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that enough because sometimes we try to package it up like maybe we're going to add some things to what we have, the promise in the gospel. And so the question is, is the promise of the gospel, what we receive by faith in Christ, is that enough? And maybe it all goes, goes back to our foundation. Is this enough? Is God's word enough? So the question for us to settle today is this. Is what we have today as believers, is it sufficient? Now, here's what false teachers do. They come along and they offer more. They offer more than what Christ promises. Yes, Christ promises this, but you know what? Here's what you can have in addition to that. They, they offer more than the word of God. And then maybe they, they offer a new word or a fresh word or an additional word. I hear people say, you know what? I have another word from God. Listen, we have the word of God. Is, is it enough or are they going to offer more than the word of God? They offer more than Christ. Is Christ enough? How, how about if he's not enough, we'll offer Christ plus riches. Maybe that would make it better. Maybe we'll offer Christ and, and the, the declaration that you'll never get sick. Well, would you believe in Christ if you were promised to never get sick? And so the question is for us to settle as Christians, is what we have sufficient? Very deep thing for us to think about. 
is what we have sufficient or is there something more? Well, it's very interesting. Approximately 1960 years ago, it was the same thing. And false teachers show up it's, it's been some time since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The, the apostle John is now an old man. And these false teachers show up and they start to promise more. They start to promise other things and they are threatening to derail the, the mission of the church. They're threatening to, to derail the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a dangerous thing to offer more. And so these false teachers show up and they're offering more saying that what we have is not sufficient. Well, the Apostle John sees the danger in this, and he writes this letter, 1 John, to uphold the truth. And I always think that's pretty amazing. This is the letter. This is his response. Well, it's a shape of it. No, this is what the Apostle John actually wrote in response to these false teachers. Now, we're going verse by verse through it on our, on our Thursday men's lunch. Last week, we saw a section of the verses, a, a section of verses that told us how to identify false teachers. How can you know that there's a false teacher? This is what they look like. And that last section of verses from last week showed us that. Now, let, let me say this right here. We need to say it quite often. Understand, it is the biblical call to uphold sound doctrine. It is the biblical call to uphold sound doctrine. It is the biblical call to point out false teachers. People say, well, isn't close enough good enough? Why do you have to point that out? Well, they're trying their best. They're using the words that we have. Why do you have to point them out? Listen, it is the biblical call to uphold solid biblical doctrine. It is a biblical call to point out false teachers. They are going to lead people to destruction. They're going to lead people away. And so it is the biblical call to point out false teachers. Well, last week he tells us how to spot them. Well, this week we're going to continue on in that discussion. We're in 1 John chapter 2. Today I'm going to look at verses 25 through 27. Three verses, 1 John chapter 2, verses 25 through 27. Continuing the discussion. I'm going to read the verses. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and this is true, and it is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, now abide in him. Now let's look at those verses piece by piece. Starting back with the 25th verse, it says this. This is the promise which he himself made to us eternal life. Now the verse starts off and it says, this is the promise. And I, I looked it up in the Greek, the original language, it actually is a promise. This is the promise which he himself, it is referring to Jesus. This is the promise, not that John reports. It's the, the promise that Jesus himself made to us. Now, in the original language, it says this. This is the promise he promised to us. It's used two times. It's, it's, a double, it's a double use of the words here. This is the promise 
that he promised to us. And so understand, in the midst of all these false promises, in the midst of these guys saying these false promises, John says, well, let me just clear the table here. Let me just set it right here. This is the promise that Jesus made. It's the promise that he promised to us. Now, what is the promise that he promised to us? It says this, eternal life. This is the promise that Jesus promised to us. Now, I don't care what they're saying. The promise that Jesus made to us is eternal life, salvation through him. That is what Christ promised, eternal life. John three sixteen. whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the promise of our Savior, Jesus. Be sure today, listen to me. Jesus did not promise life with no pain. Jesus did not promise that all of our earthly suffering would end. In fact, if you read the New Testament, he says it's not going to end. Jesus doesn't promise that everybody's going to love you. If you put your faith in Christ with this new declaration, everybody's going to love you. He says you're going to be so opposed to the world, the world's absolutely going to hate you. He, he doesn't promise great, exciting mountaintop experiences, and that's, that seems to be what Christianity looks like today. We want to have this experience, and then we want to move down and have this experience, and we're looking for these mountaintop experiences. Everybody's chasing them. Jesus never promised that. He promises eternal life, not eternal condemnation, not eternal suffering for sin. Jesus, he himself promises eternal life. Now, I, I couldn't go off from there and not say this. John chapter 17, verse 3 says this. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, we've got all these ideas of what eternal life is, and I'm looking forward to eternity with Jesus Christ. But John chapter 17 says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, God, our true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Listen to me. What is eternal life? It is this. It is that we as sorry sinners get to know God. It's that we as sorry, messed up sinners, we get to be in fellowship, a restored fellowship with the creator of all things, our God. We get to have a relationship with him. We get to know the one that's risen from the dead. We get to know our savior, Jesus. When did that become not enough? What could be greater than intimately having fellowship with our creator, knowing Jesus? What more could there be than that? When did that ever become not enough? And so he says, listen, here's what the promise is. And he himself, Jesus promised eternal life, a relationship with the holy God. How awesome is that? Verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Now, his purpose is to bring forth the truth. He, he could have stayed home. He, he could have stayed and said, you know what? They'll sort it out. They've had enough of the truth. They'll figure it out. His purpose is to uphold the truth, to, to present the truth, to preserve the truth. And part of that is to point out the faults. Sometimes we make that two separate things. No, that's part of the same thing. He says, I write to you. I want to tell you about those who are deceiving you. His purpose is to uphold the truth. And part of upholding the truth is clearly pointing out the faults. Let me, let me tell you something. We hear today so many preachers today. And I, I think maybe more than any time in, in, in the history of the world, 
Now, you can go on a podcast and hear sermons. You can go on TV and hear sermons. You can go on your radio and you can listen to, to 91.5 and 89 whatever and whatever. And you can listen to sermons on top of sermons. There's preachers everywhere you turn. Who do you know to listen to? Who is it that you should invest your time to listen to? Here's the key. You want one who stakes everything on this. Who says this is the word of God. This is the word of God. And what they preach is not what they think, not what the culture says, not what is politically acceptable at the time, but they say this is the word of God and their preaching is verse driven. It is Bible driven. This is the word of God. Those are the ones you want to hear from and not their view. You want to hear what God has said in his word. He says, I've written to you so you know the truth. I've written to you so you see the faults. He's confirming it for them. Listen to verse 26 again. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. I'm not going to shrink away. I'll tell you who they are. Verse 27 now, a very interesting verse. As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now, that's a pretty complicated verse. Let me read it again. As for you, talking to Christians, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Here's the truth. False teachers, then and now, hijack our words. They hijack our words and they use our words, but with a different meaning. And so when you hear the words, they're, they're speaking our language, they're using our words. It sounds right, it sounds very close, but it's not the same. False teachers come, it says they rise up in the church, they come up in our midst, they steal our words and they speak our words. Well, in this exact context that John is writing into, they had taken two words specifically and they had stolen those words. The words were anointing and knowledge. These false teachers had shown up and the Gnostics, they were beginning and they had, they had taken these two different words, anointing and knowledge, and they had changed the meaning, they changed the understanding of these words to mean something else. Now what they were promising, and let me just explain it to you, they were promising these people a greater anointing, a bigger anointing. Or, or some idea of possessing some anointing that others didn't have. They have an anointing, but man, you can have an anointing. There's a greater anointing. Why wouldn't you want a greater anointing? And the false teacher said it was available through them. Still the same today. You notice that? There's somebody that has something you don't have and they have a deeper faith than you and they have a deeper walk with you and they have something you don't have. And if you could just get a deeper anointing, if you would just come to me and I'll tell you the, the remedy for the anointing, You'd be something different. They promised a greater anointing, a bigger anointing. Now, in that, they took their other hijacked word and they offered some deeper knowledge. You know what? There's a deeper knowledge. There, there, there's a knowledge you don't have. And because we've got a great anointing, we've got a great knowledge. And maybe there's a, a secret that, that I have that you don't have. And I've got a better walk than you because I know the deeper knowledge and I'm able to live more Christ-like because I have a, a deeper anointing that gives me a deeper knowledge. And you know what? That was available through them 
as well. And so they were offering, promising more than Christ had promised. They taught, they spoke of an anointing that would set you above other people and a knowledge that only they could give. Now listen to the verse. Now it's going to start to make sense. The anointing you receive abides in you. It's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. We go back to the previous verses. It talks about the, the Holy Spirit of God. The anointing that, this is talking to believers. The anointing that you receive abides in you. Listen today, let me tell you. As a follower of Jesus Christ, a person who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You have the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the totality of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. Ephesians 1.13 says, when you put your faith in Christ, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of your redemption. There is nothing else you need. There's not another piece of the Holy Spirit that you're missing. The totality of the Holy Spirit of God, that is the anointing it's talking about. You are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen to this. There is not some spiritual elite class. Our churches start to act like that. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, we all have the anointing it's talking about, the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. Now the verse continues, listen to this. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. Now it's not talking about Bible teachers. New Testament's clear. There are God-called preachers and God-gifted teachers and they explain the word of God. It's not talking about that. It's talking about these false teachers. And you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing, the Holy Spirit, teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it, the Holy Spirit, has taught you, you abide in him. Now, here's what that means. The anointing, the Holy Spirit, teaches us in the truth. Teaches us. What he teaches us is not a lie. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God teaches us, gives us knowledge, through his word. Now here's where people start to try to disconnect this, but really there's no way to disconnect it. The Bible, it is the word given by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's speech to us. And so the verse is saying here, the Holy Spirit teaches us through scripture. In scripture, you have all that you need to know. Read the verse. All that you need to know, you have in the words of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, the Bible. You have in scripture all that you need to know. Now, John says here, and he's very pointed, these guys are promising you a different anointing. They've changed the definition of the word. They're promising you a different anointing that comes with a different knowledge. John says here, you do not need those guys because God's word is sufficient God's truth is enough. Men, in 2018, there is an entire movement today saying that God's word is not enough. Now, it doesn't present it like that. It, it tries to act like it still values the word of God. But there's an entire movement today that, that, that points out that the, the word of God is insufficient. It's not enough for believers today. The word of God is not exciting enough. How many people say, well, it's just boring? 
Well, I get nothing out of it. And there's a movement. You know what? It's, it's not exciting enough. You need something more exciting. There's a, a movement that says it's not detailed enough. It doesn't tell me all the specifics. I need something more. I need a different book to get the details. It's not powerful enough. You need some other thing that would bring power to it. You need something else. You need something deeper. You need some experience to go along with it. John says here, listen, in you is the Holy Spirit of God. And in the Holy Spirit of God that lives in you, he's given you the word of God, the Bible, and you have the truth that you need in the word of the Holy Spirit of God, God's word. Be clear. If you settle anything today, settle this. Listen, God's word is enough. The gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, the victor of Calvary, our reigning King, He is enough. Well, I've got something else. Don't need it. Well, I think we could add something to it. Don't want to hear it. Well, I think I need an experience to confirm it. It's confirmed in an empty grave. The Word of God is enough. The gospel of Jesus Christ is enough because our Savior, Jesus, is enough. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Glad you were here today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful that you are gracious and kind to a sinner like me. I'm thankful that you saw me in my helpless estate, that you send your only begotten son, that he comes and takes my punishment, my penalty, that I might know the creator God and his son, Jesus. I'm thankful for my salvation. I'm thankful that I did not earn it. Thankful there's nothing I can do to secure it, but in your grace, you handed it to me through the cross of Calvary. I pray now that we would understand there's nothing better than that. There's nothing more needed than that. Our Savior is enough. I I pray that the the men in this room would understand, you know what, we have what we need. We have the truth. It's in God's Word. And I pray that we would start to, to treat our wives the way the Bible says we're to treat our wives, that we would order our homes the way that God says we're to order our homes, that we would handle our finances the way that God says handle our finances, that we would speak the gospel the way that Jesus, God commissions us, Jesus to speak His gospel. And I pray that we would understand what we have is enough and it's settled in Christ. Lord, I pray for the men in this room. Bless them, encourage them. As we go back and we finish out this week, let us stand for you. We love you, we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.